Welcome to the Covert Swarm Podcast. Stories, news, and opinions from the world of offensive cybersecurity delivered straight to your ears every month. Welcome and Happy New Year. What could be better than getting out of the New Year blues than, well, some exciting news from the Swarm. And I'm very happy today to be joined by a special guest and not only a special guest, but also the newest member of Covert Swarm's leadership team, Will Morrish. Will, welcome. Afternoon, Anders. Thanks so much. And indeed, uh, Happy New Year too. So yeah, no, very, very excited to be joining. I feel like this has been uh, some time in the making. It Is has. it some sort of 20... 24 months or so ago, we were talking about this. It really has. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. We have to bring our listeners up to speed here. So this is not a new friendship or connection with Covert Swarm, but certainly finally a formal one. Now, we've got to be honest with our listeners as well. Uh, Will, I started by saying Happy New Year, but the truth is, of course, we're we're recording this in December. So let's (laughs) pretend we've all gone through the headaches and the full stomachs and the arguments of Christmas. And now we're right at the start of January and looking forward to that new year, which is only around the corner, let's be honest. But you do join us right at the start of January as our Chief Revenue Officer. And the truth is, as you just said, we've been in talks for a very long time and you've been a good friend of Covert Swarms, even in your most recent role over that period. So our paths have crossed over the years. It'd be nice to hear maybe from your perspective and just for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better and also hear a bit about your career history to date. Yeah, absolutely. So again, we'll pretend it's New Year, but indeed the turkey is yet to, is yet is yet to be eaten. So no, if you indeed, can so, get one, I hear. Yeah, absolutely, that's true. Well, I hope I've paid an inordinate deposit of my butcher, so I'm really hoping that one actually will get delivered on uh, on Christmas Eve. So yeah, so I suppose my career today. I've been in IT now. I don't know. I think all of us can probably say longer than our careers. And sort of when did you build your first PC? I think mine goes back to when I wrote my first program in BASIC for a Spectrum 48K. Uh, that. that that was the real start in IT, but I've actually been getting paid for this stuff now for about 25 or so years. And over that period, I've done a number of things. I've been a field engineer, part sales engineer, been customer service, been sales, and all for a number of different businesses. And when we sort of met, it must have been 15 years ago, something I like that. Be. It was, uh, yeah, when I was only, what, probably about 21, let's be honest. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you had the full head of hair as well. It, it, it I was do. A, it's, just, it's just descended to a beard now instead. That's Indeed. All. <laughs> it, it was a glorious perm, if I remember rightly. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, no, and, and that was back in the days when I was working for a company called Interroot. So that was a big uh, European network provider. And our time then is you were at Sony and I was at Interroot. It's an interesting thing. There are some parallels to where we met then. That was sort of you were one of the first big international MPLS networks, which at its time, was sort of pushing the boundaries, everybody moving from frame relay or point to point lines and pushing out a different way of doing corporate connectivity. And, and here we are some 15, 20 or so years later in a different world, in a different place, but I still think pushing things forward on what are some paradigm shifts that need to happen in the industry. And I think for me, it's definitely one of the interesting places about why join Covert Swarm. We'll get onto that in a moment, but tying it back to some of my career is I spent a long time working at a cloud network service provider. And as that's where, where we sort of first met. I then moved on from there, then ran AlertLogic EMEA's business. So for the listeners, sort of AlertLogic is one of the biggest managed detection and response providers globally. I think Gartner sort of pretty much top right-hand side. And 
it was a great couple of years that I spent there. Very, very exciting times and really helping build a sales team and channel team on that defensive side of where businesses need to be. You need to have a decent defensive security posture. And then from leaving there, I then moved on to a new role. I think as for me, I always like a new challenge. I ended up at a company called Performanta, who are a big managed cybersecurity provider, international customers across Africa, across Europe, and then across in the States as well. And Again, hugely exciting working with from mid to very large enterprises, helping them with their defensive security. And again, it's where going from that cloud and network background of helping people build their core infrastructure to run their businesses, it was a logical move into businesses that then help protect and help defend those corporate infrastructures. And that really gets to where we are now. And as I say, we were obviously talking 20 or so months ago of about where you wanted to take Covert Swarm. And back then it was a very, very new startup, I think almost behind closed doors of building up what the proposition was. And, and that was when I joined Perth Manta. And, and now since then, having seen even more on the defensive side, every business needs it. But the challenge is, is every customer that has been breached, every single one of them hasn't ever been breached because they haven't put in their effort. Of course, there are some that maybe have, but it's not that people aren't spending the money or they're not spending the budget or they're not trying to be secure. It's always because they got taken down in a place where they weren't expected. It was either where they hadn't got the budget, it was where they hadn't got the technology, where they hadn't got the people, or where they hadn't got the coverage. And frankly, I think coverage is the big missing gap in cybersecurity because everybody spends the budget, they get the technology, they get the people, whether they insource it or outsource it. But actually making sure you've got the right coverage everywhere is a nigh on impossible task because of the size of IT these days. And that's really where, when you sort of came to me a while ago and said, you know what, actually, do you really want to come and join? I was like, you know what, actually, yeah, I really bloody do. Because <laughs> the idea of taking that defensive side, which everybody is doing, and moving into that offensive side of really where you start to poke people, you really start to get under the fingernails of people and find out where are the holes. I think one of the memories I have of that conversation that led to us now welcoming you formally to the business was when your eyes opened and you realised that we offered such a broad spectrum of attacks, not just the traditional pen test style web app or infrastructure type testing to a limited scope. But when you realise that we break into offices and with permission, of course, employers' cars and do far more than just the traditional approach, you know, we really try to play by as few traditional rules as possible. For me, that was the kind of moment where I saw your face change and I thought, hmm, I think we've got Will on the hook here. <laughs> and of course, that happened in the best way. That was over a curry and a beer as well, which is where all the best business conversations happen. Absolutely. So no, you're right. I think that's it. It's funny, again, coming from my time at Logic and then at Performance, when you run a SOC and when you run a defensive operation, there's always a sort of badge of honour of the SOC managers of it's, yeah, our customers got a pen test and you can see the usual things. You can see the usual scans. And it's dead easy for a normal SOC to see a bulk standard penetration test. And that is really where the market is, is it's easy for the SOC providers to actually see them. And reality is, is therein lies the biggest part of the problem. If the SOC finds these things dead easy to find, and yet the hackers are still getting in. It really proves the point that actually those tests aren't doing anything that they mean to. I think so much of security, both on the offensive and the defensive side, is really in a semi-grudge purchase. You always get the CISO and the techies who get excited by it. But I think from a business perspective, it's either a grudge or a compliance purchase. And I think pen tests definitely sit in that. 
oh, we've got to do a pen test because actually we need it for insurance or we need it for our cert or something else. And so you go out, you go to the normal people or the people you've used before. And a lot of the market uses the same pen testers, give them the same brief. And then they come back and they say, you know what, here's a bunch of CVEs. Here's a bunch of things that we've found. And on the back of that, the standard route is, is the IT team then go, yeah, that's fine. We've got mitigating controls across all of these or yeah, that's all right. Actually, yes, we know this is a risk, but actually, because we've got a defensive mechanism, we've got MDR in, if somebody did come in via this route, we'd actually see them and then our EDR or other protections would actually kick in. So people have a sense of comfort from going, yeah, you're telling us kind of what we already know. We feel all right. It's given us that compliance tick. Let's come back and do it in a year. And that to me is one of the things about when I'm sort of here is to try and really make pen testing some of the first words and then never repeated words that come out of my mouth because it's easy for people to understand it. They go, all right, so you poke stuff and try and find out where there are weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. But the huge paradigm shift, and again, you're right, is the key two things actually that make Covert Swarm very different and really exciting for me is one is that this isn't about testing. This is about hacking. This is about not just going, oh, there's a struts vulnerability on this machine. Fine. This is about exploiting it. It's using it. It's getting into the machine and then actively truly hacking and getting to the next layer through the next layer of defenses inside of the customers. So it's more than saying there's a risk. It's actually saying there's a risk. We actually got through that challenge. We got through that technical weakness that you've got and we then got a foothold inside of your estate. And from there, we then got further inside of your estate. And because we're going to be able to do that or because we do that, I should say, is it actually means that you can show actively where an attacker will get in rather than where they might be able to get in. And that's a huge shift. Absolutely. I think one of the value proposition elements that really resonates with our clients is our ability to report in the traditional way. So with that noisy pen test style report that might be the compliance checkbox, tick box type exercise that they need for insurance or other governance. But actually, it's the more valuable report, which is the breach report that we then focus upon. So how is it we employed a broad skill set from our swarm to chip away and string together vulnerabilities to a demonstrable breach that really should exist on the risk register and perhaps didn't before? Tell us a little bit about that risk register and that paradigm shift that's happening and how Covert Swarm, in your view, is really opening board level conversations far beyond that, which a traditional pen test vendor would. Well, I think that's it. And I think there's almost a misnomer as well when you come and think about a pen test report is I think in people's minds, that's that's an annual thing. It's a massive PDF that's got a whole bunch of fluff in it that people go, all right, and stick it in a drawer. Whereas I think a breach report is quite different. It's This is how we actively got in. And I think that's one of the things about when you look at a risk register, everybody always says that security is sort of a journey and it's continuous. Reality is though, I think when you look at what people implement to secure themselves, these things do tend to be a point in time. It's you consider it, you do an RFP, you buy it, you run it. You're not really pushing against these things to go, what's the stuff that we don't know about? And that's really where this continuous attack really changes into that risk register of instead of going, we've got a new app, we should probably get a pen test on it. It's actually, we've got a whole bunch of architecture that's actually running at the moment. Let's continuously see where those weaknesses are. And then we've got something new that joins into it. Let's also add that to that. So it's more about a continuous way of going after a customer and a client to find out what are the continual areas of weakness that they've got. And yeah, I think as you put it right, this is about finding things that the customer may not know about before. Absolutely. Just to add to what you were saying there, Will, I think zooming out and thinking about the broader spectrum of the attack surface of many of our clients, 
you're right. The traditional mindset is exactly what you've described. You know, we've released a new endpoint or a new app or some other technology asset. And therefore the next logical step is right. We need to get that tested. Absolutely makes sense. The thing that I think tends to fall outside of the field of vision within the organization is that, well, we also just onboarded 10 new employees or we just created that new division over there. Or even we're thinking about spinning out something or acquiring something. The same logic tends to then fall in reverse. They allow those changes to sit, remain potentially with risks associated with them and not come around for any form of training, which is, let's be honest, at best, usually a a fairly dry video and a bit of a fake fishing run for maybe six or even 12 months. So that cyber risk gap exists in the business, even at the time when other elements of the business may be really on top of their security and the rate of change. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that's the other really interesting point onto this. And I think pen testing is so much seen as digital checking. It's all in the digital world. It's what the CV is. Can we get into it? What ports or hosts are actually exposed? What's the patch level on these things? All of this is digital. And in some respects, businesses have got a level of maturity onto that. Some are really, really good at it. Most are in the middle and have got a fair amount of holes and, and, and some are weak. But I think you're right. I think when you come back to why people have breached it is, as I said earlier, a lot of this is to do with coverage to make sure you've got the right mitigating controls and secondary protection methods like EDR and others to protect around them. But then also so many things actually happen from a hacking perspective that isn't somebody sat there trying to get in from a digital perspective into a particular server. It's somebody doing a phishing or a phishing attack against a client. And that's one of the bits of where this is really different of actually going from the penetration testing, but it's more than digital. It's social, digital, and it's physical. And it's about tying those three things together. And so I think one of the good examples, and you're right, it was the bit where it really lit my eyes up onto this. It was a real world story that you told, which was, One of your clients, you actually did a digital attack to actually get in. You got into their systems. You then got into their CCTV systems. You then had somebody physically on site actually get in and break into their premises, was able to then get to their loading bay while one of the member of the swarm were actually watching them on CCTV. In effect, meaning that you could help them evade the physical security or security guards on site. So a little bit like I think Ocean's Eleven was sort of the parallel I was giving to <laughs> yeah, it. Absolutely. Where you've got a bunch of people tying together and that's at the sexy end. That's the sort of story that I think we love telling. Mm-hmm. But I think at the less sexy, but just as likely end is you've got a new member of team in the accounts in the AP team. They're being asked to pay another 20 grand to 30 grand or 300 grand invoice. And somebody sent through a, here's the new account number, all on lovely headed paper, all looks like an email from a domain that looks about right. Those are the things that you need to test inside of a client to actually go, you know what, is the accounts team up to scratch on this? And it's more than a no before sort of Kevin Mitnick video of I'm the smartest hacker in the world. No, get on the phone to John or Sarah in the accounts team and actively try and see how far you can get. It's a brilliant point, Will. And I imagine some of the listeners may be thinking about that and thinking, oh, surely people don't still fall prey to that type of attack. And I'll be honest with you, they absolutely do. It's amazing. Even in the public domain, you will see, you know, what I would consider kind of tier one enterprise, tech enterprises who have famously and continue to fall prey to that type of attack. So I would encourage anybody in this field to not be complacent and believe that the staff or the users in their businesses, their organizations, their domain have the same level of knowledge and awareness that those in the leadership positions of security do. What could be more effective at helping secure your organization than employing your worst nightmare to try and break in? 
first. That's exactly what the team here at Cohort Swarm provides. Through a simple monthly subscription, we continuously deliver tailored cyber, social, and physical security attacks to organizations just like yours. Every month, we'll work with your team to uncover security vulnerabilities across your ever-changing attack surface that will lead to you being breached. We'll then raise the alarm and guide the remediation steps required to close the gaps before a genuine bad actor can exploit them. Constant security testing for your constantly changing attack surface. Often, I think I'd even say the majority of our deep breaches start with the human element at Covert Swarm. And so really don't underestimate the need for regular education, relevant education, but also fostering a culture where security issues are talked about, reported, and that there is never risk of punishment or negative impact on members of your workforce, because ultimately they are the eyes and ears within your business to protect you against that level of attack. So I'm really glad you talk about that because it's still something that we see today. And you're right. And I think going back to that breach risk that you've got at a board level, I think it's an ideal thing that's quite different. If you think about the way that people test today, you get that report and it sits on the CISO's desk or maybe the CTO or CIO's desk. The way Covert Swarm does things is vastly different. We'll actually go after John or Sarah in the accounts team. We'll actually get into their systems. We will hack them all within the requirements and what's been agreed with the team before. But instead of just sending the report back to the CISO, we'll actually come in and then train the full accounts team. We'll train the full IT team and actually go, look, this is how we did it. And this isn't to besmirch or show John or Sarah where they did something wrong. It's to actually show everybody else how easy it is of just a quick lapse of thought or memory to actually go, you know what, it's dead easy to do this stuff. And also then again, from the risk register that you've got to then go, well, actually, what processes can the businesses put in place to try and make this that little bit safer? A good example that we had on one of the previous roles that I've had is it was two investors for a business. They were in out of band chats, they would over text, and they were actually saying that they wanted to get onto a bid to purchase a business and they were getting close to sending £300,000 from one person to another person as part of actually making, in effect, an angel investment into a business. And it was only for the fact if they had a phone call later on that day that they then picked the phone up to each other and then they realised it wasn't actually those two people chatting at the same time. And it's those examples of where even, uh, well, not even at the investor level, everybody can make a stupid mistake, irrespective of where you sit within a business. But it's about highlighting these risks so that everybody really takes a step back and then goes, this is where another area where we need to be careful. You're absolutely right. And exactly in those scenarios, those are, of course, things that businesses wish to avoid in terms of risk. But it should be celebrated that the blind spots, the holes, the cyber gap that exists has been recognized. And increasingly what we see with the subscriptions that our clients take out for our swarm time every month is that more and more of that is being used exactly as you described, Will, where we're being asked to attack, but then we're being asked effectively to present how we have done what we have done to the internal team. So effectively a kind of hack with us session, but instead of hacking against something which is a bit vanilla not very relevant or relatable to what that business does or the functions of those personnel within the business, it's actually on their estate. So when we say we broke into reception, they understand how we did it. When we say we use someone's you know MFA token from their phone because they just happened to go to the kitchen and leave their phone on their desk and it lit up and exposed the, you know, the SMS or whatever it was, they understand that that was, you know, Bob who sits in the corner over there or Jane who sits by the stairs, etc. So 
it's really interesting to see the shift in how we are attacking and how our clients ask us to build those monthly attack plans that we now see actually being curated well into the future. At the start of our business, the monthly subscriptions were maybe 30 to 60, at best maybe 90 days out in terms of their planning. What we see now are CISOs, CTOs, CIOs, mapping the next 12 months so that they can ensure that they get a really nice broad spectrum of attacks across the business. And I know that we're going to be publishing a white paper on this later in January, where we actually start to show a bit of a state of the nation from how we see the 100 or so clients that we now work with and where the sweet spots are that they seem to potentially over-focus our attention, so where the hot spots are, and potentially where there might be areas where we could be deployed to apply more pressure. And as you say, better expose the risk register to the genuine situation the business is finding itself in rather than the the typically over-biased set of controls or scopes that get put in place when testers are asked to be engaged. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's part of the things that we bring to the table is because as we're continually hacking rather than testing people, we're finding out what works in a lot of different businesses. And that's really the big portion of advice that we can then bring to the CISOs, the CTOs and the CIOs of actually, and you know what? This has worked now for a large percentage of our other businesses that we've tried to get into and we were successful. A good example of this is if you see somebody in a high-vis jacket, do you let them get on with their work? If you're driving your car, you've got somebody with a high-vis jacket and they hold a stop sign, you just stop there. Likewise, I'd hazard a guess, 70% of businesses, somebody turns up in a high-vis jacket into a business and it's got some aircon business on the front of it. I'm just here to check your sprinklers. I'm just here to check that. Receptionist, yeah, fine, go on through, go on through, or just sign on a piece of paper. No checks in there. How many people actually have got NAC installed across their networks and their switches? Maybe, maybe not, but you've immediately given somebody their physical access. Aircon's a great one. Aircon, it's in every single server room in the country. So you can then even go to IT and go, yeah, I'm here just to check those air handling units that we've got in the server room. It's easy for somebody physically to get access to the most sensitive areas of your business. You're absolutely right. We've got some demonstrable attacks. In fact, we have two in recent months where, again, we were successful not only of getting on site, but then exfiltrating data. And in both cases, we took the approach that you're describing there. Well, I think it may have even actually been the aircon engineer. And it got to a position where we even confronted the C-level person who had engaged us to do the activity as part of the activity that we were then deploying. And they didn't recognize us. They facilitated us and in both cases led to breach. So the human tendency towards compliance is, again, something that really needs to be taught. I think having and hiring more diverse teams is a really natural way of helping mitigate some of that risk, because if you ensure that you have a very diverse team, they tend to think quite differently to one another. Therefore, these sorts of attacks tend to be less effective because you don't have that sheep mentality. And I think that's something that I would always want to promote and push is that you can buy amazing professional services from companies like Covert Swarm. You can buy fantastic tooling and solutions, but there are some really homegrown positions that you can take from a policy perspective in your business. And I think actually just hiring diverse is a really fantastic starting point to make sure the security of your business has got that human factor built in by default. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agreed. So as our listeners will have heard, Will, you're deeply passionate uh, clearly about the industry and the mission that you've been delivering over a number of companies over recent years. But it's also fair, I know, of you that you're a little bit of a secret hacker yourself. I've seen projects of yours involving Daleks, rockets, and more. Just give us a bit of an insight into maybe private life, Will, and, and some of the things that you get up to. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm. Um, I think people always see me in 
I've always got commercial sales these days, actually in my job title. And I don't think people realize quite how geeky I actually am and the stuff that I enjoy. <laughs> so uh, actually, if I look look around my desk, so Anders, Anders and I can see, see each other. So I've got a BBC Micro robot on my desk. I've awesome. got some Ar- Arduino powered glasses that I'm building for a festival in my kids' rooms. Uh, they've Each of them have got sort of various stands and displays that have been built for their Lego and other things that have got Arduinos and bits plugged into them. I've got a server sat down here that's got God knows how many VMs running on them. I think it all goes back to that constant thinking about technology and what it can do next. There was an interesting piece sort of happenstance on Monday night, 11 o'clock at night, I was actually lying in bed and I was playing around with OpenAI, seeing the stuff that it can create. And then 11 o'clock Tuesday morning, Anders randomly sent me some thoughts. I think one of them was, which was send a breach report in the style of Boris Johnson. And if you've got an OpenAI account, stick some stuff into it. It's, It's amazing. It's amazing. It's 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 scary how good it is. But I think this sort of all ties back into me as a person is it's all about how can technology impact what we do and how can you interact with it? How can it support? How can it enable? I think one of the things as well at home, I've got home automation everywhere running through my house. And that's not just sort of people have got a couple of hue light bulbs and those things and go, I've automated everything. No, the robot Hoover that sat behind me, the lights, the alarm system, burglar alarms, fire systems, the lot all tied into it. And it comes back to that passion generally for technology and how that maps across into then how I talk and, uh, and understand with customers. I think rarely will people sort of chat to somebody with a sales hat on that gets really what underpins their business from an IT perspective. And that's the thing that really interests me. How can we help our customers be more safe, more secure? And by doing it from being on the offensive side of helping them find their weaknesses. And you can only do that if you understand a broad enough level of the technology. And I'd say I've got a great deal of breadth. My depth, however, tends to be copy paste from other similar projects from other people but that's always good enough and I think that's that's a good thing well Will I couldn't extend a, a warmer welcome to you and to Covert Swarm formally and I'm sure our listeners to this podcast will have heard the fun and passion that you bring not only to the industry but are now going to be bringing to, to our business and I really look forward to meeting our clients which are now I think spanning something like 30 countries around the world you're joining at a time where we're doubling each year so the impact you're going to have, I know, is just going to be phenomenal in terms of the, the growth and the capabilities that Covert Swarm is going to be able to continue to challenge the market with. So on that note, Will, I'd like to say thank you very much for your time. And to our listeners, expect to hear or see Will very shortly at uh, an event or uh, other form of reach out. I'm sure that he'll be doing right from January. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. Cheers, Anders. While you're still here, we'd love to tell you more about Covert Swarm. Our unique Red Team subscription service emulates genuine unlimited scope cyber attacks using our own swarm of ethical hackers. Want to test your exposure to social engineering attacks? No problem. Want to understand what a ransomware attack could do to your business? We'll make that happen. Are you kept awake at night by security risks in your tech stack? We'll find them before they do. We'll even cover your regulatory pen test reporting requirements. Everything Covert Swarm delivers flows through our Offensive Operations Center platform, allowing you to plan and see where our attacks are taking place, gain rapid insights into where your next breach point exists, and enables you to direct our swarm of ethical hackers to explore specific areas of your estate on demand. We even communicate with your team in real time via Slack. 
So ditch the limited scopes, infrequent testing, and over-restrictive rules of engagement. And subscribe to Covert Swarm today. Learn more at covertswarm.com. See you on the next episode.